Rush is back. Hour number two, Teddy Lehman here. Travis Davidson up in T-Town. Connor in studio with myself. Text line open, 651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, we got some good news today. Dylan Gabriel is back. Have heard nothing on MIMS. Um, you would think that Dylan Gabriel being back has something to do with, with what MIMS is going to do. Now, I'm sure those two have had plenty of conversations. I I I would be surprised if Marvin Mims opened up his social media account today and was like, oh my gosh, Dylan Gabriel's coming back to Oklahoma? Wow. Uh, I'm sure they've had plenty of conversations and he was uh, already in on what was or was not going to happen. Um, But, you know, I would say this. I, I would doubt, and I could be wrong on this, but I would doubt Marvin Mims would be coming back if Dylan Gabriel wasn't coming back. So, I would say that the news that Dylan Gabriel is is a good sign for Marvin Mims, but I don't think it's I don't think it's all that big in the in the grand scheme of things on what his decision is going to be, right? Right, right, and I mean obviously those two talk a lot. Uh, right when Dylan got to Oklahoma, he I mean we remember he put a lot of time, effort, and resources into developing those relationships, whether it be the dime-time retreat uh, or when he took the uh, offensive lineman out uh, on the lake. Like He, he definitely puts a lot into that. So um, he's definitely one to communicate that often. So Mims, now all the attention is on him. We will see whether he comes back or not. I think, I think a lot of it, Teddy, also has to do with the wide receiver coach, right? We talked about it yesterday. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, it's you've got to wait on that. This is a guy that has had, you know, three different wide receivers coaches, three different quarterbacks, two different head coaches, and two different play callers just in his short time at Oklahoma. So you got to wonder what a little bit of continuity would do for this guy. And I think, I think if we go with go with Washington and stick with Washington, I think that bodes well for Mims's return. That's just my opinion, though. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um. I think so, but I guess I guess I just don't I don't know what Mims' preference is, but I do think that that would be a factor who the wide receiver coach is going to be. I I do, um, but without having talked to him and asked him that question, I don't know I don't know how big of a a factor it is for him. You know. I'm sure, just like any player and coach, you develop a relationship. I mean, you got to the amount of time you spend with your position coach is, um, you know, it's 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 a lot, especially during the season, man. You're you're in contact with those guys a lot, um, meetings out on the field, um, you know, off the field. Whenever you're watching extra film, I mean, you develop a relationship with those guys, so. But it's not always great with everyone. You know, there's obviously some players and coaches clash. Uh, Mims seems like a uh, an easygoing, you know, he's a humble kid. Like I, I would have a hard time believing that he clashed with his position coach. So I do think that that relationship probably does matter. So, um, but, you know, there's there's also could be, 
he saw some inadequacies there and maybe he feels like he could learn more with somebody else. Like these are all just questions. We don't, at least I say we, I don't know the answer to, to that. Somebody else may, um, but I don't know. And I saw this from Jim in Arlington. Would Dylan come back if Marvin Mims wasn't? Yes, I think so. I think he would. Again, speculation only. I th- I think that I think Dylan Gabriel's options are are kind of. Are, I think Dylan Gabriel's situation is totally separate from Mims, and I'll tell you why. Dylan Gabriel was he was not at his best this year. Some of that was him. Some of that was circumstances around him. I think it would have done Dylan Gabriel um, a lot of good to have his whole offensive line for the whole season. And I'm not just talking about the final game. You got to remember what Wanya Morris missed. Would he miss the first four games? I, I thought it was first three. Three. But you could be right. E- either way, the point still stands. Right. You know, and you miss continuity there. I think you had. I think you had. You had moving parts on the offensive line there. I can't remember if if Anton Harrison played right or how they exactly uh, figured that out. But there was there was moving parts on the offensive line. Um, you know, you didn't have a full deck at wide receiver the whole year. Uh, Anderson was out; was never really got out there on the field. Um, you know, I it took Eric Gray a little bit to get going. Now, eventually, he he you know really led the football team, and I think there was a little bit of growing pains with Dylan Gabriel and and you know getting acclimated with with the offense. I, I know he had. Uh, you know, a previous history with it. I don't know that the terminology was all the same. In fact, I know that some of the terminology was definitely, uh, definitely different. But you got to also remember that Dylan Gabriel learned an entirely new system, was coached by an, an entirely uh, different coach during the, the the previous two years. So yes, he had some understanding of the offense he wasn't starting at square one but he also had to relearn whatever he'd been doing the previous two years so that wasn't the optimal situation for him and then you know just a whole new everyone on the team you know trying to get up to speed with the new staff offensively and defensively head coach I mean there was there was just a lot going on it wasn't a situation to go out and and play your best football. It doesn't mean that you can't, because we've seen that happen. We saw uh, Duggan have his best year in a totally new system with a new coach, all of those things. So I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I, I, it's different than Mims. And I also think that you know the for quarterback in quarterback and draft in the NFL. There's a very limited amount of guys at, at that position that get drafted into the NFL. And there are much better years to go to the draft than others. And this year is not what you would consider a good year to go to the draft for Dylan Gabriel. I mean, there's just there's all kinds of, of things there for Dylan Gabriel to come back, in my opinion. Not related to Marvin Mims. 
Right. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I'm going to jump over to the Marvin Mims side real quick. I mean, Marvin Mims, it was pretty pretty well understood that Marvin Mims was going to enter the portal had Lincoln Riley stayed. Um, you know, he only had, you know, off, off of a big kind of freshman breakout year where he had 37 catches, nine touchdowns, uh, over 600 yards. Uh, he followed that up with 2021 only having 32 catches and only 700 yards. So he was he was ready to kind of move on once Lincoln left, you know, that kind of he he kind of stayed with it and he he had his best year by far, Teddy. I mean, he he went from 32 catches to 54 catches and he probably doubles that 32 number if he catches, you know, just half of his drops probably. Um and then he went over 1000 yards, which which is over 300 yards better. Uh, than his previous career high. He also was second among P5 receivers in air yards per reception, um, only behind A.T. Perry from Wake Forest. Um, and then he led the entire uh, uh, college football uh, wide receivers with route run leaders, average yards per route run. So um, he's in this specific offense. I mean, he's really getting a ton of opportunities. So I think, you know, he's got – some ground to make up on the draft class if he just reels in maybe a few more of those catches right um because because the opportunities have been there for him yeah well we'll see we'll see um i don't know i think uh at the end of the day i i I think that and this is not meant as a as a slight to um mims but Mims is far more replaceable than Dylan Gabriel is. Oh, of course. You know, we've got we've got several guys on staff that or staff on roster that we feel like we can uh get some good development out of. You know, Farouk coming back, he should uh, have his best years the sooner next year. Some young guys, uh some freshmen coming in and wide receiver is a position where a freshman can play. Um, all of those things makes Mims more replaceable. You want him back. Absolutely, you want him back. Uh, but he's more replaceable. If Dylan Gabriel were to leave, Ooh. and all you have is a a true freshman coming in, granted he's a five-star, but and everything looks great, and I think he's got a super high ceiling, but you just don't know. There's a bunch of five-star quarterbacks across the country that have never played a lick of meaningful football uh, on the rosters that they're on right now. So, um, former OU commit Brock Vandegrift is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So the, that's the only reason I say that Mims is more replaceable. Like Dylan Gabriel, Dylan Gabriel is, he is a huge key next year. And just to reemphasize, even if Jackson Arnold is better than Dylan Gabriel, and wins the starting job. You still need Dylan Gabriel as a backup. Yes. Look how look how Dylan Gabriel performed this year without a backup. We couldn't use the running game. Look what we looked like as a team whenever he was out uh, in that uh, game in, in two-thirds against Texas and TCU. Absolutely have to have a backup quarterback situation. And now that you've got two guys, like you hope that you hope that Jackson Arnold can get up to speed quick enough to be someone that you feel really good about to be a backup. And, you know, and even that's not guaranteed, though. You know, even that's not guaranteed. Nick Evers was 
a, a fairly highly recruited four-star quarterback last year. And that's, you know, that's nothing to to turn your nose up at. And, you know, right away with, with Nick Evers, as soon as they played, like, two or three practices in to spring practice, the coaching staff was saying, uh, we're going to have to address the backup quarterback situation immediately. And that's why they went out and hit the portal post-spring. It's because they knew that they weren't going to have it. So, like, and – Nick Evers was not a five star, and I'm not trying to compare him to to Jackson Arnold. I'm just saying that you just you never know, right? So there you go. Um, right. Let's hit some right. of these texts. Well, and Brazilian Sooner just texted, uh, and you know when you were talking about all the advantages that Dylan Gabriel will have in 2023 that he didn't have in 2022, uh, Brazilian Sooner brings up that Stogner is going to help DG as well. I mean, having that that big target in the middle uh, that's going to make a big difference. Is Brazilian Sooner texting from Brazil, or is Brazilian Sooner uh, Brazilian born? Or yeah, Brazilian Sooner's got a four hundred five area code, so uh, maybe that doesn't uh, matter. I've got uh, a I've got a Detroit area code on my phone. I know I I have your number, hmm. but um, but the Brazil I think probably uh, probably the data rates from Detroit. Um, are probably a little bit different than the ones from Brazil. I'm just guessing, spitballing. I don't, I don't know too much about it, but I'm, I'm willing to venture a guess. Are, uh, are the riots and protests still happening down in Brazil after the recent presidential election, Travis? Um, not, not that I'm aware of, but uh, you know, I haven't checked on that lately. I've been just a skosh busy, um, mm. but. Uh-huh. Um, could be. I mean, we could ask Brazilian sooner, maybe. But Listen, I'm going to um, give you a list of of uh, current event type things you need to brush up on before you come back on air tomorrow. Okay. Deal. Hey, Brazilian I'll be ready. election protest is one of those things. Um, the Brazilian. <laughs> this text from the nine one eight. Brazilian sooner runs a wax shop, so it's not actually. Uh, it's not exact. <laughs> it's not actually location based. It's more uh, uh, style based, if you will. Um, huh. Yeah. Things are getting hairy on the text line, um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean we could always go. I'm sure uh, I'm sure TJ uh, could help us out. I think he it's either him or I don't know who's got the controls to see where people are texting in from. I'm pretty sure if we saw you know a blip on the map in Brazil, that would answer our question. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see here. Uh, go back to Heupel's last year's OC at the University of Oklahoma. No backup quarterback, so he didn't slash couldn't use Trevor Knight in the quarterback run game. Got Josh fired. Uh, very similar situation. Yeah, very similar situation. Um, there's there's some things that were the same. Some things were a little bit different there. Um, you know, Trevor Knight, good football player, had some limitations. Um, his athleticism was his best skill set. And I would even say that even as a runner, he he still was a bit tight and and robotic, and I think he relaxed a little bit later in his career whenever he went to A and M. But I mean, the point is proven that backup quarterback. If if you don't have adequate backup quarterback, it can paralyze an offense. It can paralyze play calling from your offensive coordinator because of the fear of. My goodness, like, this isn't the best way for us to run our offense, but it's the best way to preserve our offense because if our starter goes down, 
were dead on arrival. And, and I do think that that affected it. And, and I don't know why – I can't even really remember what the backup quarterback situation was that year, if it was better, if it was – it was worse than what we've we've had going on right now, but uh, the head or the offensive coordinator's evaluation of it was was that he needed to do everything possible to to keep his starter on the field. So, yeah, yeah, um, you you go can't ahead. go pedal to the metal and just uh, and, and and not have a backup plan, right? Like you'd rather run your run your offense at ninety percent the entire year without risking uh, you know blowing that engine out and having to go down, but. Lot text line woke up this hour. They're all over it, man. Do, yeah, this one says, "Do these people sign their text messages or something? How do you know it's from Brazilian Sooner?" I believe the procedure is as follows: a text comes in. Whenever we see your text, we can click on it, and yes, we've got your whole history of text messages, so we can oh, see yeah. what's going on here. And if it's someone that texts in a lot and does sign their text messages i think the number is then signed or uh, the number is then given a name saved and given a name so we can see who it is instead of just a number right uh for example um 918 texter who asked that question um, we know that your last text says sounds like some of these dudes could use some creamer and a hallmark movie We also know that you like peach mango and you think it's an excellent flavor combo. So, yes, to Teddy's point, we can read everything you've sent. Um, uh, some of them, uh, like Sean and Gunny and uh, Guy from Guyer and those guys. I'm Teddy, I've never entered a name in, have you? No. They don't let – trust me, they do not <laughs> let me have the computer that that is – Connor is – have you ever seen uh, the monkeys that are running the – computer with their brain they just have the wires hooked up to their brain and they can run the computer and it runs like the robotic arm that's what it looks like right now because i just have a screen in here in studio and as i talk and start reading on a text connor in the other room clicks on it and like has the cursor following along with where i'm reading it's it makes me feel like i can control the computer remotely it's awesome um yeah but sean sean text and said in what was it? in 2013 uh we had three quarterbacks and Heupel didn't run any of them I, yeah i don't I'm, I'm not saying that's not the case i actually uh i'll go with exactly what you said um i just don't remember i think what did bell bell started that game in 2013 uh i don't remember much about it uh we got beat 36-20 Blake Bell was 12 of 26 uh, two interceptions. Um, had seven carries for minus twenty-seven. I'm assuming those were sacks. He had a long of four. So I don't yeah. remember much about that game. And I remember Case McCoy going off though at quarterback. He threw some incredible uh, touchdowns that day out of nowhere. When he yeah. their backup, who was their starter? And, ne- and never and never did again. Right um, for the most part. I mean that was that was a flash in the pan type of a experience if I've ever seen one. Yeah, and like the most memorable thing from that game is I think that's the year whenever uh, Stryker made him do a flip whenever he blasted him. All right. Yeah, and got the penalty called on him. 
I think they didn't they complete that pass too down the sideline yeah. on a go ball. Yeah, it makes for a great gif. Uh, you know, a little clip looks good in the highlight videos, but the actual play itself was was negative for Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, we're late for a timeout. Let's hit a quick break. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two of four rolls on next. Travis, do you like the Foo Fighters? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm. 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 I enjoy a bit of Foo. Have you seen them in concert? No. You know what's interesting, Teddy? For for about 15 years, I've worked in restaurants, right? So weekends, you know, going out to the big concerts and whatnot was a little bit tougher. Um, yeah. So, but I'm making up for it now. Went uh, went down to Norman to catch a couple basketball games this week. Uh, went over two, but hey, you know, you can't, you can't win them all. Not the Big 12. This may be an unpopular opinion. I like the Foo Fighters. I, I, um, hmm. They're not someone I regularly listen to, but I can recognize their music. I think there's some pretty good stuff in there. Seems to be a talented group. But, and I like Dave Grohl, but he, he just comes across as like a massive tryhard, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think with, I think because of Dave Grohl, I think they've got a lot of fans maybe that they wouldn't have. But I, I get, I get what you're saying on that. Do you watch? Uh, do you ever watch Hot Ones? I don't think so. You're familiar with it? Oh my! For, you've got to. First of all, it's fantastic. It's a TV show? Is that what you're yeah, telling so me? Yeah, so it started on YouTube. So there's this comedian, Sean Evans, and I'm, I guarantee you've seen, like, the gifts from it whatnot, but they uh, eat is this... spicy wings. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Increasingly right. spicy wings. And and then he conducts an interview. And it's what's so great is, as they're just, you know, in pain from these wings, you end up getting a lot more honest answers that aren't just these canned this, that, and the other sure. that you might see it, you know, on on a late night show. You're less concerned with what you're saying and more concerned with the fire in your mouth. Right, right, and it's incredible. I would, uh, I would, I would recommend that you check out the Hot Ones Dave Grohl episode. Uh, it's pretty good, pretty good. Uh, this says the Foo Fighters suck. They're satanic. Not sure about that. Can we get some Tool as bumper music? Uh, here's the thing about that. Tool is by far the best band in the history of music. We cannot uh, denigrate their music by playing a 15-second sound clip on a bumper. We cannot do that. It does not happen. Sounds like our bumper's got to be longer than 15 seconds there, old Ted. Yeah. I will I will play well it's not like I'm in charge of it or anything but uh I would I would be okay with uh bumping in tool if if we played like a a 4 or 5 minute section of some of their songs. I most of their like the songs on the new album like some of them are 15 minutes long. So uh There's but a segment right there. I am with you Texter um even though we're we're playing Foo Fighters coming in, uh, I'm just laughing at the drummer uh, saying it would be much better if Danny Carey uh, was sitting there. Uh, what else we got going here? Metallica better than Tool. Mm, sorry. Love Metallica, but just not true. Uh, oh, man. 
Boy, here come the tool text messages. <laughs> My uh, goodness. I was just asking about Foo Fighters, and, and tangent uh, we go. Uh, it's like you killed a, a, a pregnant spider. Right. Yeah. They're, they're out of the woodwork. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I And I remember it vividly. I was probably in the sixth grade, woke up to a scream at maybe three in the morning, it was my sister in in the bathroom. I so I got up and ran in there, and there was like you know one of those wolf spiders, like the big house spider. It was yeah. sitting there, and my sister's screaming. She's like, "Kill it!" And I was like, "Okay." So there was like a magazine in the in the bathroom. Slapped it with this magazine, and it exploded <laughs> with spiders all over. <laughs> The bathroom. I was freaked out. That was, and that was right not long after the time that I had seen arachnophobia. Okay. And oh no! Everyone, I think everyone that watched that movie is scarred for life. Was the sister still nearby during the slap? Yeah, she saw it, and then she oh, took man. off running, and then I started like just slapping the magazine all over the floor trying to kill the baby spiders because I thought that if I didn't, they were going to kill the entire family. So. Yeah, you can burn the house down or something. I mean, geez, yeah. that's brutal. Okay, um, let's steer this thing back to Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel has announced he's coming back a little over an hour ago, about an hour and 15 minutes ago is about whenever I saw the um, the the tweet come across. Big implications for the Oklahoma offense. Um, I think that's big for for Jeff Levy to be able to to have year number two with the quarterback, um, to be able to have a backup quarterback in Jackson Arnold that you can uh, maybe feel a little bit better about and maybe be a little bit more aggressive in some of the quarterback run game stuff. Because let's face it, man, quarterback run game is – it's the difference in a lot of offenses being good or being great. And we've witnessed that ourselves with Kyler Murray. And I'm not suggesting that Dylan Gabriel is anything like Kyler Murray. Well, you just witnessed it with Max Duggan. You yeah. witnessed it with CJ Stroud. I mean, you, I mean, this is, it's, it's a cheat code. I mean, it's, it's another, uh, explain I, to, well, here to you go. everybody how this. tough it is to defend a running quarterback. Yeah, yeah. The the numbers, right? You you automatically outgapped, and you know a lot of times it's they pull it down after the play has been going on for four or five seconds. So you're just already your legs are already smoked for that play, and then you're chasing an athlete around. Um, look at these these numbers here. Tennessee had the number one offense in the country, Josh Heupel offense, Hendon Hooker. Excellent run in the football. Uh, Washington Huskies were number two. Michael Penix, he threw for a ton of yards. I don't know what his rushing numbers were. Uh, USC was number three. I think we all know that Caleb Williams is an effective runner. UCLA was number four. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, effective runner. Not his his key, uh, but he can do it. Number five, Oregon Ducks. Bo Nix, his numbers on the ground this year were incredible. I don't think people realize the year that that Bo Nix had, and he threw the ball really well, but his rushing numbers, I think he had, I want to say 15 touchdowns rushing. trying to bring it up here. Uh, 14. 
Bo Nix had 14 rushing touchdowns this year. That's Oregon. That's the number five offense in the country. You see a common thread here with all of these offenses. Um, and you mentioned Max Duggan, uh, obviously at TCU. Big difference for them and what they did. Florida State was on the verge of a top 10 offense. They've got a dual threat guy. We watched him in the in the Cheez-It Bowl. Or was that what we were in, the Cheez-It Bowl? Yes. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember if we had two names. Because like, isn't there the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl was after us, right? Okay. Correct, yeah. Yeah, dual threat guys, man. It's a game changer. Arkansas, top offense, dual threat quarterback. So, especially in college football, and it happens in the NFL, but teams are more reluctant in the NFL because you're paying your guy $30 million. And, you know, it's... Right, when you've got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed tied up in a guy. But we've seen how effective it can be in the NFL as well. So, yeah. And, again, I'm not saying that Dylan Gabriel is... Kyler Murray, I'm just saying that even the threat of the run, a quarterback that will pull it down, you know, eight, 10, 12 times a game, it changes the way defensive coordinators call defense. So, I mean, to me, this is, this is going to be the biggest change on our football team for next season on the offensive side is the aggressiveness that Jeff Lebby can call some quarterback run game. The aggressiveness for Dylan Gabriel whenever he gets outside the pocket where he can press the issue a little bit more maybe in running um, and not just uh, looking to throw as much. And you, oh, m- Most quarterbacks look to throw and then pull it down, but I think that's going to be a game changer, man. Yeah, I mean, you see it all the time, even in like when there's man coverage going on. When when you send them deep and everybody's got their back to the quarterback, quarterback looks up and goes, oh, all I see is the back of uniforms. Let me take off. Um, you know, he can get down the field before the defenders even know what hit him. But, I mean, if you remember the first play of the year, I mean, the first touchdown of the year was Dylan Gabriel juking a defender out of his socks and uh, and scoring a touchdown. And, and I think a lot of people who had watched Dylan play, at least just some of the highlights, they didn't know he had the, those kind of moves, but he, we saw it throughout the year. Is he Kyler? Absolutely not. Totally get it. But the guy's an effective runner. I mean, is he? could he maybe be like a Baker type where he can extend the play and get upfield if he has to? Sure. But, I mean, he's not going to be the one that you, you know, is going to be ripping off seven. Well, I guess he did against Nebraska. He had that long touchdown run against Nebraska. But, yeah, opening up the quarterback run game is, would be massive in this offense text line Russ in Atlanta how may, how might a dual threat quarterback confound a defense had the quarterback had one leg six inches shorter than the other I imagine that guy'd be running in circles wouldn't he he'd be running almost like he was on crutches or something right like a limp you would think I don't know what is the genesis of that text message? Where, where does that come from? What does that mean? <laughs> is is cannabis legal in Atlanta? Uh, I don't know. I feel like, and maybe it's just because I'm in Oklahoma. I I view it as basically legal everywhere now, but I know yeah, that's, that's not the case, and I guess that could be a dangerous way to look at things. Um, yeah, probably. He's not Baker, Kyler, don't or Jalen. Uh, yeah, don't fly to Russia. 
very smart. He's not <laughs> Baker, Kyler, or Jalen. We're not totally saying, agree. Yeah, we're not saying that Dylan Gabriel is those. I was just trying to find a comparison of how how it can be called in the run game. And I think out of those three, I think he's much closer to Baker than the others. I think that's pretty clear. Right. Um, I'm getting a lot or I'm seeing a lot of, and maybe it's the same person keeps texting it over and over and it just keeps popping up at the top. I'm seeing a lot of Slayer is the best band text messages. I think I think it might be the it might be the same guy. Let's let's click. No, he, I mean he's only sent two text messages about Slayer, so I don't know. I I personally wouldn't agree, but hey, everybody's got a right to their uh, their own opinions about music. Yeah, music is it, somebody can hear something and it is it just it hits the spot. All right, for yeah. whatever reason, like the. Um, the setup, the time signature, like whatever, the way it's produced, like it can just hit, and someone else can listen to it and think it's crap. Uh, it's really weird. I guess same thing as art, same thing as uh, maybe a painting. What's your favorite painting, Travis? Um, favorite painting. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I, I I don't have a favorite, but I have a least favorite. What's that? Uh, the Mona Lisa. Really? Uh, I don't know if you've been to Paris or not, but it is the most underwhelming thing I have ever witnessed in my life. Really? Yeah. Well, explain, like, what's underwhelming about it? Well, it's it looks like it's about the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, 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 you know, you hear about it, read about it, see it in, you know, a movie or whatever, and you expect it to be this big, grand spectacle. Well, they've got it, at least when I was there, displayed, you know, on this wall, you can't get anywhere close to it because, you know, you got a million tourists there. You get close and it's just it's just underwhelming. When you hear about things like the Mona Lisa, like that's a very like, you know, globally known thing that you expect to be, I don't know, amazed by or at least wildly impressed by, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw it and I'm like, "Wow, this uh this is a bit underwhelming." The wine I had shortly after was much better. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I've never seen, I'm obviously familiar with the piece, but I've never seen it in person. Maybe I'd be underwhelmed uh, also. Okay. Do you have a favorite painting? Um, mm, not really. Not really. I have a couple that I like. I think a, uh, you know, paintings are interesting. They're totally different in person than they are in, like, whenever you see them on a screen or just a picture. Right. Right? So, I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated that you've seen the Mona Lisa in person and you just, you thought it was ho-hum. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just simply wasn't impressed. Was there, okay, but was there, like, a feeling, like, whenever you were going to see it, and then I don't know if there's like a line as you walk by or there's like people starting to gather in the Louvre, but was there like this anticipation? And then as you see it, you you there's like this feeling that you're, you're, I don't know, like in the presence of something or was it just, you're looking at a picture? Yeah. I, I just felt like I was looking at a picture. Uh, a lot of people that were making a big deal about it uh, around the picture, but I was like I said, I was just unimpressed. And maybe it's because there is a lot of really cool things 
in Paris when you just are talking from like an 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 arts perspective, uh, like a cultural perspective with history mm. and all that, and um, had just gone over from Spain. So maybe it's the fact that I was just kind of arted out, um, perhaps. Uh, maybe it was just I had had such kind of sensory overload throughout the trip that maybe by the time I saw it, it, it you know, maybe it wasn't as impressive. That certainly could be the case, but. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, if, if I go, if I go to the Louvre again, I'm not sure I will. Uh, I'm not sure I'll, I'll pop over there and see it. I think I'll spend my time doing other stuff. I love this text message. My favorite painting is the OU logo at midfield. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> my favorite painting is when we do the the state outline for the spring game. But you know, it's uh, just brilliant. Yeah, uh, that is pr- that is cool. I like whenever they do that. I just, I think it's good as a changeup. I don't know that I like it. I would like it permanently. Yeah, it can't be your fastball, but you know, right? It's, no, no, it's good, and it's and it's supposed to be a kind of a fun little one-off. It's it's a scrimmage. It's a glorified scrimmage. It's you haven't seen a lot of people in a long time, especially this last spring game. I mean, after all of the, uh, you know social media stuff with Lincoln leaving, you know, the the class coming in, the new transfers, the new coach, BV bringing all the people out. I mean, that was quite the celebration this last year. It's interesting. I'd wonder what – we did 75000 for the spring game. I wonder what the numbers are going to be this coming year and how tied they are to Kyler's statue and Jackson Arnold. That's a good point. The Kyler statue uh, deal would be awesome. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I wonder what – um, they're going to get him doing his little gallop into the end zone. I don't know That's what, what – That would be awesome. What pose you'd have of him, but I don't know. All right, we're late for a timeout. Got to hit a break, and I, I do have to say that I, I feel different about you, Travis, now uh, with your opinion on the Mona Lisa. I do. I, I got high standards for art, Ted. All right. All right, quick timeout. We'll be back. Rush is back, and I'm sorry to say this, but – because of my own poor time management, we're going to have to do two really short segments here. Um, yeah. That, hey, well, time management is something you're born with and you can't learn. We The text line has told us this, Teddy. So right. I'm sorry that you'll never improve. I it's know unfortunate. It. I know it. Um, pretty bad by me. Okay, so we got to hit a timeout here and then we're going to take another break and then we'll have a very short one before top of the hour. Stay tuned. Rush is back. Another short segment. Hit on a lot of stuff today. We've hit on Dylan Gabriel, obviously, uh, announced at about 2.15 today that he is coming back for 2023. And I believe uh, he would have another year in 2024 uh, if he wanted to come back for that as well. So, um, you know, just something to keep in mind. But Dylan Gabriel is coming back. We've got... um, a lot of uh, transfer portal recruits, I guess, is how you would label those guys in for official visits. Um, they have to be done uh, by, I believe, Sunday is the last day that you can have official visits from uh, the transfer portal guys. So it's going to be busy around here. I think they have still around six to eight roster spots uh, that they're going to be trying to get guys in. Offensive line, position of need. Um, probably defensive line position of need, wide receiver position of need, and then um, a handful of others that you could maybe scatter throughout, uh, depending on 
on what they see. Um, be be interesting to see what what we're talking about Monday after these official visits come through, and hopefully they get some commits from some guys that they're they're going to be entertaining over the weekend. You know, one of the guys coming through Travis is a UCF player that Dylan Gabriel has a history with, a, an offensive lineman that I believe Jeff Lebby recruited into UCF whenever he was there. And uh, I think is he here now, or is he taking a visit this weekend? How's that? whole deal unfolding uh he is here now uh, i believe he's here thursday as well as rondell bothroyd um brandon dumb's reporting that uh bothroyd he's the uh 6'4 265 defensive lineman from wake forest obviously we had sears already visit um 6'3 290 from texas state we've already had tyrone broden visit the 6'7 wide receiver walter rouse the stanford Offensive lineman, the six five, uh, six five and a half offensive lineman, and then Caleb Schaffer or Schaefer from Miami of Ohio. So the trenches and wide receiver. All right, we got to hit a quick break. Keep hitting the text line, whether it's your favorite band, your favorite painting, or if you think Jackson Arnold's going to start over Dylan Gabriel, we'll hit some of that next. Stay with us.